Yes, so we are looking at our purpose reinstated. Let's turn our Bibles to those scriptures and we're going to read them all. We're going to read them all because we are setting the foundation for the conversation tonight. We're going to read them all. Matthew chapter 5, the verse 5. Our purpose reinstated. Why did God put, us, put man here on the earth? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Major, major purpose for us. Blessed is the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16, the verse 18 through 19. Matthew chapter 16, the verse 18 through 19. And I also said to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I give you the keys of the kingdom of the heavens. That is original translation. That is, that is a proper manuscript, not the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on the earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on the earth will be loose in heaven. Just like we have prayed for Tracy, we prayed for Anderson. What we have done essentially is to legislate. Bind does not it does not mean to start with I'm binding a demon, I'm tying, tying up a demon, but it means to legislate, to make a decree, to pass a law. So whatsoever we have passed a law, um, over whatever law we pass over a matter, that essentially is our purpose. It's our purpose is to rule, is to govern. Matthew chapter 28, the verse 18 through 19. Matthew 28, the verse 18 through 19. And these, these references are powerful. The meek will inherit the earth. He has given us authority of the king of access to the keys of the kingdom of heaven, access to the treasures of knowledge and wisdom and counsel that we must make to pass in the earth. The verses 18 and 19 of Matthew 28. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority, all what? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on the earth. All, there is nothing left out. And you have to believe God and take it as God says it, all authority, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go or go therefore and make disciples of the nations. Go therefore out of that position of all authority and power and dominion and rulership and counsel and wisdom having been given to me christ go in that same power and go and colonize the earth make disciples baptize them um, um indoctrinate them initiate them into my name the name of the father the son and of the holy spirit let's read mark chapter 16 mark chapter 16 and you'll notice that our responsibility is not enormous. As far as God is concerned, it's never, never enormous. Our responsibility, verse 15, down to 18. And he said to them, go into the world. He didn't say sit side by side with the world. So I've done this series, um, uh, and I'm sure many of you were, were in there when I talked about the kingdom is here. And we've looked at this scripture into detail. So I don't want to so much dwell on that, but to read them into your hearing and read them over you. Because Revelation chapter 1, I think the verse 6 says that, both he who reads and he that hears are blessed. So once again, and he said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
he who believes and is baptized is initiated will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall do no, do, do no, no harm to them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So it continues on and on and on and on. This is our purpose reinstated. And we want to, we want to move in that power. We want to move in that power. So let's look at it. Um, restoration of the kingdom. Restoration of the kingdom. If we say the restoration of the kingdom, we are dealing with the fact that God is actualizing, making visible, making manifest, making available to us and allowing us to gain access to every aspect of the kingdom and to function in it and to make it evident in the earth. That is what will be described as a restoration of the kingdom. So um, from that time, Jesus came to preach and he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at, is at hand or is near or is eminent. All those three are exactly what it is. Restoration of the kingdom. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is our purpose for living, that God will give us the kingdom and that we will reign and rule with him and for him. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there are, are some of you who stand here, some of them, some of them that stand here, which shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God come with power, not just with any ordinary entrance, but evidence with power. Matthew chapter 16. Okay, so let me mention that scripture. Maybe you are not seeing it well. Mark chapter 9, the verse 1. And I say, and, I, and he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there are some of them that stand here, which shall not taste of death, till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And some of you, some of us, we shall not taste death until we see the manifestation and the evidencing of the kingdom. And so we proclaim that over Tracy, we proclaim that over Anderson, we proclaim that over you, we proclaim that over everybody because you shall not see death until you have seen the kingdom of God fulfilled and manifested in the earth. This is covenant promise. Lay hold of it. Mark chapter 9, the verse 1. Grab it. Walk in it. I shall not die until I see my purpose as the kingdom of God come with power and authority and dominion and fullness. That is what Jesus has promised us. We proclaim it in the name of Jesus. The kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. That is it. Matthew chapter 16, the verse 28. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here 
who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Ah, I love that. He didn't even say the Son of God, but he said what? The Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Which evidences the fact? Which buttresses the point? Which validates the point that fulfillment of the kingdom or the kingdom age begins with within the context of man the son of man not the son of god angels we continue luke chapter 9 verse 27 but i tell you truly there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of god come till they see the kingdom of God. Let's continue. The kingdom and grace. Let's talk about the issue of the kingdom and grace. Let's talk about the issue. And I've done some teaching on the kingdom and grace on, on Facebook, which goes beyond these notes anyway. The kingdom and grace. The Bible says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. Let us have grace. So let me make one or two comments on this. Let us have grace. The kingdom of God or receptivity of the kingdom of God is intricately linked to, sorry, receptivity of grace is intricately linked to receptivity of the kingdom. There is grace that is meant for kingdom living. And so it says, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. And then if, if you read further, that we may serve God with reverence and godly fear. It is called kingdom living. So to be able to manifest the kingdom, it requires a certain type of grace. And if you position yourself to receive that grace, God, position yourself to receive the kingdom, God supplies this grace to you. So check my Facebook. I think I did about four four Sundays or three Sundays on that, where I talk about the kingdom of God. Sorry, grace. Grace is empowerment for kingdom living. You have much more to catch on that. Why God won't pour out his spirit? Why God won't pour out his spirit? Because many are still expecting, oh, Lord, pour out your spirit. Why God won't pour out his spirit? The point is that the Holy Spirit has come to administrate the kingdom. The Holy Spirit is here. He is here. And we are, it's not saying that God would, cannot send out a manifestation and glory and a movement and all, a sweeping movement and all. But we need to essentially begin to live in the power of the available glory. The Holy Spirit is right here in the earth now and is the most important person that has been who lives on the earth today it is no president it is no king it is no preacher it is no pastor but it is the one and only powerful holy spirit of god one and only powerful holy spirit of god the holy spirit has come to administrate so kingdom is the country kingdom is therefore the country grace is the system of governing. Now, now, there's another perspective to this matter. We, um, in an environment of religion, 
there are a lot of punitive, puerile kind of leadership and all. Where you commit one sin, they throw you on a black bench. Where they ostracize you, like I was saying this, the church is the organization that kills its people more than any other organization. We will ostracize, we will kill, and we will destroy. We kill our wounded soldiers. But the system, the governance system inside the kingdom, is called grace. It's not the law. It's called grace. It's not the law. It does not also mean that it gives us license to sin, but because you understand the nature of grace as being that benevolence of God that empowers us to live for God the way we are supposed to live as the kingdom defines. And so the kingdom is the country. The system that runs it is a system of grace. That is why the sinner can run back to God. That is why the most weird person can come back to him. Because grace is available to receive you in and empower you and change your ordinariness and your weak person to become a powerful person that lives inside the kingdom and exhibits all the characteristics of the kingdom. Let's look at the difference between a good Christian and a good, um, and sorry, and a kingdom citizen. A good Christian and a kingdom citizen. A good Christian, number one, says, I am saved. A good Christian is one who is getting saved and is going to heaven. Uh, and most importantly, that is his goal in life, going to heaven. That is what good Christians are. But kingdom citizen or a kingdom, a kingdom person is, is um, living as a child of God to make a difference on this earth for him in most is the most important goal for life. We are not rushing to live here for heaven. Heaven is good. Heaven have a lot of great things. But if you go to heaven right now, you will go and be waiting for us, even though you'll be enjoying and be worshiping and be relieved from all of these earth troubles and trauma and problems. But what will happen is that you'll be waiting because the meek shall inherit the earth. And the kingdom under the earth was given to who? The saints of our Lord and our Christ. So, and the kingdoms of this earth has become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. So kingdom citizens are framed a bit differently. They operate with a different framework in their thinking. Um, the spectrum that informs their action upon which their action is hinged is that I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to rule for God. But the good Christian says, I'm on my way to heaven. Christians, Christians live singing that we don't belong here. When we all get to heaven, oh, this world is not my home. You know those songs? This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Da, 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 something like that. Um, when we all get to heaven, what a glory it shall be. That, that, that nice and beautiful songs. But you see, we have been raised to begin to think about the earth as a place that imprisons us and that fights us and that we are just definitely where we are passing through. But we are here to make impact and then to receive this earth as an inheritance. We are here to colonize the earth. You are not a Ghanaian. You are not an American. You are not a British. You're not a Canadian. You're not a German. You are a citizen of heaven sent into the earth 
for the purposes of colonization. Let me explain something about Ecclesia to you. Let me just use this to explain something about Ecclesia to you as I read the second point. A, a kingdom citizen lives like their daddy owns the planet. A kingdom citizen lives like their daddy owns the planet. Now, let me quickly explain something about Ecclesia. Ecclesia um, is the Greek word that Jesus used in Matthew chapter 16 and when he said, I will build my church. That, he did never use the word church. That word church comes from old Anglo-Saxon, a German Anglo-Saxon. And it, it comes from two words, circus and kek. Kek and circus. Kek and circus. Circus means going round. Uh, kek is playfulness and fun. So it is like going round, round, round in circles and having fun. And the translators could not comprehend or for some level of wickedness and that the King James family wanted to keep their throne and feel important. And as the best humanity, human beings on the earth, they allow for this pulverized, weak, sloppy translations to be brought in. And that is the human factor that impacted those, uh, some of those scriptures. When Jesus used the word Ecclesia, one of the examples from the culture of the Roman Empire was that when they sent their best of the military to go and conquer a territory, which, which now becomes a colony of Roman Empire, they will now pick specialized people with specialized knowledge skilled, well-trained men of repute, men of honor within the Roman Empire, the society of the Roman Empire, men who um, um, in several ways have conquered the people through their knowledge and their achievements in society. And these are families, individuals, high-level military generals, and it will take 300 of them and they will send them into that enemy territory that has been conquered, which is now a Roman Empire um, uh, territory, a colony of a Roman Empire. And what was expected of them is that they go in there to teach them how to talk like the Romans, behave like the Romans, dress like the Romans, eat like the Romans, and teach them the law, most importantly, the law of the Roman Empire and make them subservient and to pay tribute to the empire. God did not send us here into the earth. When Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia, Jesus was essentially saying that I'm sending my special 300 forces of humanity into you and Mark and Gilda and everybody into the earth system and let them go and train the earth how to eat, behave, dress, walk, you know, like the Roman Empire. And most importantly, they should learn the laws of the kingdom. So have you read that the law will go out of Zion, that the decree of the Lord will come out of Jerusalem and the law of God will go out of Zion? That is the place. It is that God has established the church or Jesus sought to establish a church that will become a beacon of hope in the midst of this darkness and lawlessness and confusion, utter confusion that has characterized our society so that the nations will begin to learn the laws of God. Let me go further and explain some more. 
let me go further and explain some more. What was God doing or Jesus doing when he brought us here? He brought us here to be citizens of the kingdom and live as though our father owns the planet and indeed the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Psalm 24, the verse 1. And all that dwells within it. A cattle on 10,000 hills, they are my Psalm 50. There is nothing that no president, no nation, no sovereign government owns by their own. I mean, God can just snuff life out of them and they are gone. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Who is a good Christian? A good Christian pays his tithes and gives alms. That is all. They behave like the Muslim. They behave like the Buddhist. They give, 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 give. And they are nice people in society. But a kingdom citizen creates wealth for kingdom purposes. Creates wealth. There's something called kingdom economics. And it starts with acknowledging that there is nothing that you have that belongs to you. Do you know that there's a difference between a Christian business? Sorry. There's a difference between a kingdom business and a Christian business or a Christian owning a business. There's a difference between that. A kingdom business differs in terms of principle and operations to the laws of the kingdom. A Christian business is a Christian who is possessing a business. And therefore, if I have a business, I must understand that it is not just for my comfort that I make money. It is not just for my comfort that I have the opportunities that I have in society and I have the job and I have the education and the exposure and the relationships that I have. God ultimately wants to release wealth and so he has given you an idea. It is not because we are too special. God has given us an idea and we may have business conglomerates. So it is time for Christians to begin to think about wealth differently. If we, we, we compose ourselves properly, if we, we constitute ourselves properly, if um, 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 we sit properly, we would, we would find that God will begin to release all manner of ideas to us because he wants to prosper us so that we can advance the kingdom. Like I keep saying, there are a lot of young men who are endowed and God has gifted and they have stuff of the kingdom, but they are going nowhere. The poor man's wisdom, the poor man's wisdom amounts to nothing, even though he saves the city. The poor man's wisdom amounts to nothing. So um, we have to begin to think a bit more differently about so you, people just give tithes and they give arms, but we need to go into wealth creation. God empower you. God give you ideas. God bless your business. I use, I use Grace's business as, as a, point, a, a point of contact, and I use Gilda's business as a point of contact. I say, let the hand of God come upon your business and come upon your head and all everybody connected that you shall begin to receive a renewal concerning wealth creation. And that God will entrust you for wealth from, for the purposes of advancing the kingdom. Let there be resurrection life in your businesses. Let there be opportunities created. Let God give you relationships that you need to walk in this thing powerfully. I break every spirit of fear and every spirit of discouragement over your lives in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I release the spirit of boldness Go out there and succeed in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. 
So a Christian who, the difference between a good Christian and a kingdom citizen. Christians live to study and find a job to make a living. Christians, they just live, they study in school, and they just find a job for a living. But I tell you something, yeah? I tell you something. Listen to me well. You are not in school. You are not learning that trade so that you find a job to make a living. Because to make a living inside the kingdom, in fact, nobody is supposed to be poor inside the kingdom. Nobody is supposed to lack inside the kingdom. Look, God designed the Jewish society in a manner that nobody was supposed to be poor. God designed the Jewish society in a manner that nobody was supposed to be hungry. So he gave them laws, the laws of the Jubilee and all. The laws that concerning, I, I, I'm, I'm actually writing some few things. The laws of the kingdom. And one of the laws of the kingdom does not impoverish us. It doesn't, it doesn't take 5,000 people to, 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 to make one person rich and it stays at the top and people are still impoverished. Did you read in the book of Acts that at the very onset of the church that there was none that lack? There was none that lacked anything among them. God never designed the kingdom to be a system of poverty and where we just, we just live from hand to mouth. That thing must be broken in our understanding and must be broken in our walk so that it becomes, it becomes a reality for us that we don't live just for, 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 for living. We work and study and we find a job. But inside the kingdom, we study for function. Inside the kingdom, we, we discover our purpose, we discover our callings, we discover our gifts, and we fulfill it. That is another course that prepare yourself. After, um, after Christmas, we come back in January, February. Come and do that course as well. Purpose, calling, and gifts is the thing. You have to find out why you are living and that your, your career in terms of what you studied in school the trade you learn becomes subservient to purpose and you are released for function. God never designed, I was saying, making a point, God never designed a society of the Jewish people for anyone to be poor. In that, he placed in that society that when you harvest, you shall not harvest all. You cut down the farm, you allow the poor to walk through your farm and pick some foods. Nobody was supposed to be poor. Inside the kingdom, seeking first the kingdom of God. Look at that scripture and look at the context carefully. He said, the best of the air, they don't sow nor reap. How much more you? So you realize that living is not supposed to buy sowing and reaping. Living is supposed to be by discovering the kingdom. And as you begin to live inside the kingdom and actualize its principles, not just lingo, the, the, God says that all these things, the clothing, the food, the Comfort, all those things are added to you. They are added benefits. In the kingdom, we discover purpose, callings, and gifts, and we fulfill these things. Good Christian is one who lives to be good and faithful member of a church. Kingdom citizens live to execute the will of their heavenly father. Let me add another layer to it. Do you know that you can be a citizen and a member of the kingdom and a follower of Jesus Christ 
without being a part of organized religion and organized, organized church. Do you know, I can begin to give you several examples in the Bible. Do you know that you can become, do you know it is possible to be a citizen of the kingdom and a follower of Jesus Christ without being a part of organized religion, organized religion. So kingdom citizens, they live to execute the will of God and not necessarily promoting their church, their denominational structures, their denominational architecture, their brands and all. They live to promote the Father's will and no other thing appeals to them apart from this. Multitudes are in the value of decision and they are trapped in some prison houses. Sorry for my language, church. They are trapped in churches. They can't see their destinies release. They can't go anywhere. They can't function. Pastors say, this is my church member. Who told you you own a church? Who told you is your church member? You don't have any church member. Jesus said, all these who have learned of the Father, they come to me. If you've been taught by the Father, you go to Jesus Christ. So the people come in. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 16, it says that other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will be under one shepherd, they will be in one fold, and they will hear one voice. And he's not referring to, you remember in context of chapter 10 of, of John, is referring to himself as a good shepherd. No man, human being shepherd. You have no church member. If we begin to live like this and relate to our church members, uh, 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 sorry, in that context, church members, the people we call church members, come on, you are free. You are free. Some pastors will tell you, you cannot go, you cannot leave this church. You cannot leave this church. If you leave this church, you will die those demons of the organization continue to frustrate the people, put some sicknesses and diseases and torments upon the people when they leave. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth right now. If you have moved from a certain organization and the demons of that organization is, are still pursuing you, I warn and rebuke that demon by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hear the word of the Lord. That, that person who is listening, does not belong to your fold. He belongs to the fold of Christ. And therefore, we command liberty and freedom and every disease and burden and emptying of their finances that you have placed upon them. We take authority in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We say restore all now by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me continue to teach. Good Christian, believe that your primary purpose for living is to sing and worship. <laughs> you know, this live broadcast, somebody told me that, Pastor, you know something? You have to handle the live broadcast like a church service. Get people to come to your home and they come and sing and they play the organ and they dance before you preach. I said, well, thank you very much. I have no time for that. I have no time for that. I just want to get on between 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock. I just want to get on board and teach for 30 minutes and I'm gone. We, are, we, 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 we see... The kingdom of God is not an add-on. The kingdom of God does not operate by hybrid. You know what a hybrid is? You know mongrel beings? Have you seen those things they call mongrel? 
like uh, uh, there's there's what, you, what is called pedigree, a pure breed. A pure breed is like um, uh, I've forgotten the names of the dogs already. They just they just they just left my mind. <laughs> a particular a breed of a dog. When you take a particular breed, let's say you take two breeds and you mix them together, you produce a mongrel breed. They are mixed breeds, and we believers, we are not supposed to build systems that are like mongrel, hybrid, add-on. If Jesus says, my kingdom, you pray that the, your kingdom come, what is essentially saying that your kingdom too must go. Your kingdom from heaven come, then my kingdom must go. So we are not here to just sing worship and sing nice songs and walk away. Some pastors cannot, cannot preach if they never sang a song. Many believers cannot function if they walk into the auditorium and they say, sit down, good morning, everybody, um, turn your Bibles and teachings begins without any prayer. They will be confused and they will be angry and they will feel that they didn't touch God on that day. All those religious demons must be broken off our minds. We must live freely and function. I keep saying that sometimes uh, this crazy thing happens to preachers. Immediately they hold the microphone, their voice changes. And I ask, is that the way you talk to your wife at home? You hold the microphone and your wife changes. And Jesus, ha, and it, what has happened to you? Is that the way you talk to your wife and children at home? You don't do that. You are schizophrenic. You are suffering from schizophrenia. Double, duplistic, something is worrying you. We need to just be free. Just like I'm talking right now, I'm just talking free. And, and if I have to tease, I just go off and begin to tease as normal and... Whether we prayed or not, God will still move. Kingdom citizens' primary purpose is to see God's will done on the earth. Your kingdom come and your will be done on the earth. Let me go further. Let me go further. Good Christians, they live to see another miracle. Miracle seekers, miracle chasing, miracle, miracle chasing. It's not evil to be conscious of miracle because that is one of the things that prove our Christianity. But you see, you see, when people are made to become miracle dependent, they are made wasted, they are made useless, they are made lazy, they are made non-functional. It is like unplugging their brains. Kingdom citizens, they live to study and learn God's ways that must be released to impact the earth. So you can realize that, you realize that um, at some point, years passed, there was purely no brain function in church. We immediately begin to display brain function and you teach. Even till now, people, have, people still have issues with the way I teach. People have serious issues, even from church. People still have serious issues. They feel I should preach and say, hallelujah, ha. come on, I cannot do that. I just want to talk and go. We study the ways of God and we reveal it in the earth. That is what we are supposed to be doing, kingdom people. It's not just seeking for a miracle. And you look at the miracle. It says that seeking first the kingdom of God, all these miracles begin to chase after you. Look at it. Say, anybody that became born again, it says that these signs shall follow them. Why should we be seeking it? We must be conscious of it by not seeking and pursuing it. We must be conscious. It says these miracles, these signs will follow you who believe. So the miracles, the signs and wonders, they are supposed to be normal around you and I. Until we begin to live, but he says that go into the world as we, we begin to live by the ways of God inside the world, not by the side of the world, swallowed up by the world, or become 
become an ash, an ash of what used to be. Come on. The miracles are released and we walk in it. Let's go further. For Christians, Sunday morning is the most spiritual time. It's another schizophrenia. The kingdom, remember I said the kingdom is not something you take up Sunday morning and you drop. When I was talking about the kingdom is here in defining the kingdom. It's not something you take up Sunday morning and you drop. And that is the way some men of God begin to treat the call of God upon their life, the ecclesis upon their life, that eternal ecclesis upon their life, that call. That call, if it's indeed a call from God, that call is attached to you 24-7 and it's deep inside your bone marrow. That call is who you are. It's what you breathe, what you drink, what you live. And that is the way kingdom citizens live. For a kingdom citizen, every day is a spiritual day. This is the day the Lord has made and will rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 118.24. This is the day the Lord has made and will rejoice in it. So when you're going to the market, is the day of the Lord and the kingdom is with me. You go to your office, is the day of the Lord and the kingdom is with you. You are, in, you are swimming in the swimming pool and doing backstrokes. The kingdom is still with you. You're having a good time with your wife. The kingdom is still not gone. It's still with you. In some churches, you had a good time with your wife. In fact, Saturdays, no man in that church will have a good time with the wife before coming to church. They are polluted the Holy Ghost. What kind of Holy Ghost do they have? This is the day of the Lord. As I'm teaching right now, if any of my children walk in here and it's real concern, I can pause and attend to them and the Spirit of God is never angry. You can interject me and ask a question. And the Spirit of God is never angry. But interrupt somebody right now. He says that, hey, you have stopped my flow and anointing. Good Christians, they live to feel the presence of God. I can feel the presence of God now. Kingdom citizens, they carry it and release it. They carry and release the presence of God wherever they go. Can I give you a picture? Noah, when the ark had landed on Mount Ararat, the Bible says that, and Noah, Noah, in fact, before even the Noah, Noah sent the dove out and the dove went and came back to him. And you remember the symbolism, you know the symbolism of the dove. Then Noah comes at the end, he releases the dove, the dove goes and never comes back. That is the presence of God coming from him. And so Jesus says that any house that you go unto, if they receive you, you shall say my peace, your peace be upon this house. It didn't require you to have gone to pray in tongues before you come back and say, my peace be upon this house. Christians live to feel the presence of God. Kingdom citizens, they carry it. They release it wherever. I call something, I have a teaching which I wrote way back in 1996 or 1997. I call it dominion by presence. You see Jesus Christ go to place and the demons says, well, have you come here to destroy us before our time? Dominion by presence. You carry it, you carry God, you reveal God wherever you go to. You may not need to say, come out, but the demons are trembling and they are screaming and saying, we really want to go out before you say it. Kingdom citizens versus good Christians. Good Christians, they love their own kind. Kingdom citizens love everyone. Kingdom citizens can relate to the Muslim, the Buddhist. Look, recently I attended a training and I've been expecting for them to write back to me. I don't know if they discovered that I'm a preacher and so they, they, they decided to cut me off. <laughs> and um, the guy is undertaking knowledge philanthropy. 
I found it to be one of the uh, laudable ideas. We are already practicing knowledge philanthropy because we already teach and share what we have. But this guy is a leadership guy. He's won award, a particular award consistently for eight years. He's a top, top, top notch guy in the world. He's pursued and chased by the, uh, chased, chased, chased everywhere by the big firms all over the nations of the earth. And this guy is doing something where he's sharing everything he has known, he has discovered, he has written. He's giving out his knowledge for free. What a wonderful thing. He's giving out his knowledge for, for free. And uh, you know something? He says that go to his website and take anything from his website and modify it to suit you. If you like, you can give him the credit. If you don't want to give him the credit to, he is fine. You keep it all to yourself. Can you imagine? Can you, can you imagine that? It says, keep it to yourself. And he said, if you like, you can add my name to, to your book that you have written. And, and you, can, you can just add my name so that I can, I can give you a leverage and a mileage. What? A Buddhist. And at the end of the conversation, he said, he's a Buddhist. I wondered how many preachers would do this. He said, this is my own knowledge. I wrote this book 20 years ago and five years ago. And this and that and that and that and that. Let's look at why the gospel of the kingdom is the most important liberating message. The gospel of the kingdom is the most important liberating message. The kingdom message is God's ultimate solution to human, human problem. And let me add, it is not just human problem, but the kingdom is the antidote to religion and to every system that is within the realm of creation. The kingdom is the solution to heaven. Everything that heaven is, is the kingdom. The kingdom is a solution to the ozone layer. If we begin to find kingdom principle and proper ways of living, the ozone will be healed. When COVID came and the earth took a break and a walk from man, you notice that the scientists said the ozone layers are beginning to heal. And even for the very first time for thousands of years, scientists say that they can begin to hear the sound of the earth crust, which they have never heard before. Animals, wild animals began to come into city when men went into hiding. It was like the year of the rats. Everybody went hiding and all. Look, the kingdom is a solution, is the antidote to all the foolishness that we see in our society, all the madness that we see in our society all the religious practices, a lot of madness that are hinged on steroids. You see a lot of religion built on complete foolish steroids. And people begin to do all, all manner of things. How can educated people, was it this morning I was saying it on the broadcast, how can somebody who is educated join a church and do silly things? The kingdom is a solution because it liberates you and gives you freedom and gives you confidence to be you and not shivering in front of your pastor. No, you respect your pastor, you honor him, but you're not shivering before him inside the kingdom. How do we seek God's kingdom? We seek God's kingdom through prayer. Lord, reveal your kingdom to me. 
Lord, teach me about your kingdom. Lord, show me your kingdom. How do we seek the kingdom? We seek it through study. You study it. If you don't know it, if you're a preacher, you don't know it, get somebody who is evidently working in Nino Jesselingo. Let the person teach you. Let the person share his knowledge with you. Share his experience with you. Perhaps God could allow for an impartation that will begin to carry you and you begin to enter into your own discovery. Seek it like a treasure hidden in the field. The kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in the field of which a woman, or a woman discovers and he sells everything to buy the field. Buy the field and sell it not. How do you seek the kingdom of God? Follow the calling of God that is upon your life because nobody else is as unique as you are. I cannot be you, therefore I cannot compete with you. If you become, um, uh, you become somebody who has discovered a kingdom and you are teaching it, I'll be very happy to see you all start a kingdom training school wherever you are. Gather people and teach them. And we will equip you and resource you to do this. I'll be very happy. Very happy to share with you that which I have. Ha! Huh. How do you seek the kingdom? You seek it by following the call of God upon your life. Today, a lot of young men have been blinkered and they are lost and they are caught up in all kinds of voodoo. Look at this pastor who shot the, the wife. Look at the revelations that are coming out. That there was even a time he came back from an occultic meeting and there was blood on his forehead. Oh God. And I wonder how some preachers are claiming ownership and a sense of entitlement to the relationship with them. And I wonder how come it is only you who, who is always connected to this occultic voice. Hey, come on. The kingdom is the solution to all this madness in our society. Tapping kingdom, kingdom resources. How do we tap kingdom resources? The vision of God, the vision God gave you and your ability to articulate it in faith. Sorry, the vision God gave you and your ability to articulate it in faith is the channel by which you can connect supernatural kingdom resources. What does it mean? Genesis chapter one, and God said, and God said, and God said, the vision God has given you and your ability to articulate it in faith is the channel through which the kingdom resources are beginning to be released. So I cannot be poor. I command and I release divine resources for the vision that God has given me. I release divine partners. I release them from the north, south, and east. I command that this, you speak things, you pronounce things, you proclaim things, and that is the way the kingdom operates. That is the way the kingdom operates. So let's talk briefly about entering the kingdom of God. There is um, another teaching, the third teaching, the third course, which is, which is about five weeks which is about five weeks, and um, uh, purpose, the rediscovering purpose, discovering purpose, calling, and gift is also for about five weeks. That third course uh, speaks of seeking, entering, and manifesting the kingdom. So these are all things that you plan and you have to do and equip yourself. Entering the kingdom of God, according to Jesus, when you are born again, you will see the kingdom of God. The next thing is to enter into that kingdom and function in it. The next thing is to enter into that kingdom 
and function in it. And if you look at my teaching on grace back again on Facebook, you would appreciate, you would appreciate um, certain principles. I talk about the fact that entrance into the kingdom is not at the point of maturity, at the point of experience, at the point of having here long ago. And I think about four principles. So I talk about, I talk about from life to death, that we need to die to ourselves from, from maturity to being a child and all principles there. Those are some principles that will guide you to seek and enter into the kingdom and manifest it. Let's look at seven entrances to the kingdom of God. Seven entrances into the kingdom of God. Seven entrances to the kingdom of God. One, the source of our righteousness. The source of our righteousness. Matthew chapter 5, the verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of God. So how do I enter into the kingdom? As I begin to seek the righteousness of God. And can I give you another research again? I think I said this before. Let me say it again. All of you do well to research this. Research about, research about righteousness. What does it mean? Research about righteousness. What does it mean? It's very deep. It's more than just sanctimonious piosity and all of that. It speaks of even the system of judgment. If we begin to leave the righteousness of God as empowered by the Holy Spirit, we are beginning to have entrance and access to the kingdom of God. Number two, seek first his kingdom and righteousness. Um, one won't work without the other. Do you see that? One won't work without the other. So the seeking must, it must be intertwined with righteousness righteousness um the bible says blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled so we hunger for it we thirst for it we pursue it we seek it we search it out for christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes christ is the end is the abolition of the law he put it to death and buried it and in him is the resurrection of righteousness for anyone who believes. If any man be in Christ, this is your portion. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Romans chapter 14. Diversity. That's one of the characteristics of the kingdom. But when you flip it in terms of having entrance to the kingdom and you talk about righteousness, that is it. That is it. Let's go further. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Come on, friends. Entrance into the kingdom does not require some rituals. Like some of these preachers will say, you have to give this thousand dollars before the no 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 it is by righteousness you believe in your heart you confess it you are dead boom it is by righteousness so second corinthians chapter 5 21 let's go further but of him whom sorry of him you are in christ but of him you are in christ jesus who became for us wisdom from god and righteousness and sanctification and redemption 
that as it is written, we who glories, let him glory in the Lord. He is our sanctification, righteousness, and he is the wisdom of God. He is our redemption. Okay, so let's talk about knowing and doing the will of God. Let's talk about knowing and doing the will. Maybe we may end on that note. And then next week, we, we see if we can finish next week or we finish next two weeks. Um, knowing and doing the will of God. Knowing and doing the will of God. Matthew chapter 7, the verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God, but he who does the will of God. So that is another way of entering into the kingdom to enter into the kingdom. So for example, you heard me say something, okay? The kingdom is not church, it's not religion. The kingdom is bigger. Hear me well. You heard me say that it is possible to be an, a member of the kingdom of God and a follower of Jesus Christ without being a part of organized religion. Now, did you see somebody like Rahab, a hidden woman who became a porter for the saving of the children of Israel? And if you read the book of Hebrews, it says that her, her, conduct, her conduct was counted for us as righteousness. I don't know if you've seen it in Hebrew. But if you go back to read the book of um, Joshua, you will see that Rahab lied. But the Bible says that she is a righteous woman. There is a way to be in, in this kingdom. It is bigger than you. If you sit back, you begin to ask yourself, you see a Buddhist who is doing knowledge philanthropy. And you begin to ask yourself, how does the kingdom really express itself? How? How? If you go and look, go back and look at the book of Daniel carefully and begin to think clearly about how the kingdom expresses itself. Go back, go back, go back and see um, somebody like Hiram in the Bible. He was a friend of David and Hiram was one of the people that contributed to building the temple. Oh my God. I'm not saying these people are going to hell or heaven, but I'm first of all talking about living inside the kingdom. Salvation is a different matter. These people will say, Lord, 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 but Jesus says, it is he that does the will of my father. Look at somebody like Cyrus, a hidden king. God said that even though you did not know me, I chose you. How does the kingdom express it itself? Let's talk about three kinds of the will of God. Let's talk about three kinds of the will of God. The revealed will of God, which we see in the word of God. Specific will of God, which is your assignment inside the kingdom. Eternal will of God, which is God's kingdom on the earth, expressed. God's kingdom on the earth. Let me repeat it again. The three kinds of the will of God, the revealed will of God, which we see in the word of God, of which some people are saying, um, that if, if truly the Bible is the word of God, there cannot be errors in it. Hum, some human beings put it together and therefore there could be some error in terms of one or two. But if you really, I keep saying, if you really sit down and you study the Bible carefully, you realize that the Bible interprets itself and balances itself anywhere. So some people take things out of isolation and all. 
the Bible is not a book of error. It's a book that is tempered, through, tempered with through and through. And it has one thing that is the motif, that is Christ. It runs right, it runs through that um, uh, scriptures. Let's look at further. Our Father in heaven, hello be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The will of God, doing the will of God is sitting and expressing the kingdom. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we, we, we not... Uh, have we not have we not prophesied in your name? So you see what they are doing? What they are doing does it not look like the Christian thing that you see? They prophesy in the name of God. They cast out demons in his name. Um, and they do many wonders in his name. And then I would declare to them, I knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. And that word lawlessness is anomia in the Greek. And it means you have become a law unto yourself. Now, you did all of this prophesying, casting of demons and signs and wonders. And what God, Jesus is essentially saying is that you are like a woman who have gone to your husband and say, husband, I am pregnant. And he said, for whom? Because I know I did not put that seed in you. These people did their own thing. They are totally illegal. So you are described as lawless. Doing the will of God is what must satisfy us and we must search after Another way to seek it is becoming children again. You remember, go back and check the teaching I did on um, receiving the kingdom under uh, grace, grace constituted empowerment. Matthew chapter 18, the verses 2 and 3. And then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are convicted and become as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom, let me make a simple comment. The kingdom of God is not at the point of maturity, but it's at a point of we becoming children. Therefore, we need to move from the place where we are matured, skilled, and experienced, and we know it all, and we know the next step that God is leading, and come to the place of the innocency of a child, the sinlessness of a child, the trusting nature of a child where I can just trust my father and relate to him. There is something about children that we must become. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again, become a child again inside the kingdom of God, not physically. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Receiving the kingdom as a little child. Look at it. Mark chapter 10, the verse 15. Surely I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom as a little child will by no means enter into it. I've elaborated that already. We need to move to the place where, you know, children, children are learning. We need to come to that point of learning again. We need to unlearn a lot of things that tradition and the systems of the world have taught us. Let me let me just see the time. Okay, so give me five minutes. I'll wrap up on this. I think maybe next week we finish, we finish all this. Next week we push and finish all this. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. First Peter chapter 1, chapter 2, the verse 2. Our whole being needs to be born again. Our whole being needs to be born again. John 3, 5. Jesus answered most assuredly, I say to you, 
unless unless one is born of water and of spirit and and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of god born of water and of spirit you cannot enter the kingdom of god let's let's talk about this some more that he might sanctify and cleanse her from with the washing of water by the word i mean our whole being our whole being our whole being needs to experience this how do we enter and assess the kingdom test and trials Acts chapter 14, 21 through 22. And when they had preached the gospel to the city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Have you seen how through life circumstances, as loving as, as you continue to love God, you press in and you reach out and you discover different layers of God's power, God's glory, God's manifestation in your life. We, through many tribulations, sometimes through luck, and then we trust God, and then boom, the miracle is released. Sometimes through the challenging circumstances, we trust God, and the miracle is released. We need to inherit the kingdom. And one of the ways is through tests and trials. Mental agonies and stress. Can you imagine? You go through all of these things. Sometimes attacks from demonic forces. They will come at you. And it's as if you are being taken by the tailspin into a vortex. But as you cry to God, save me, Jesus. He comes to save you. Attacks from family, fellow believers and unbelievers. You teach something, they will ostracize you. They will attack you. They will fight you. They will persecute you. You became born again and family will fight you until they find the light. All of these things are part of the tribulation. So if there's a young believer going through all these things, and be encouraged because through tribulation you must inherit the kingdom. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but to also suffer for his sake. Philippians 1.29 For you it has been granted on the behalf of Christ. So you see that Christianity that says that and by faith, I have a suit on my back. I have a brand new car. I have this breakthrough. And it's as if life is rosy and there is no pain. That Christianity is a lie. It's, it's, it's another gospel. The, the, the gospel that is the gospel of the kingdom, which is according to Christ, says that you suffer for Christ's sake. You suffer for Christ's sake. Oof. Yes. And all who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. Ah, let me stop here. We'll take this one next week. Thank you. God bless 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 you. So let's get a bit interactive and let's pray. And then um, we can have our, some of us our days starting. What did you hear? Any comment, any feedback, any thoughts? Anything that you feel should be elaborated? Go ahead. Unmute yourself. Who is there? Who is there? Okay. Yes, Ruth. I want to ask this question. Go ahead. Um, you this you were talking about a Christian and then a kingdom person, the oh, difference. Okay. 
I heard that you said a Christian pay tithes and arms. A kingdom arms. person creates wealth for kingdom purposes. Yes. I don't understand that one very well. So let please, me, if you could elaborate let me, on let me just me. Let me just explain that. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to say so much that we begin to throw the meeting into another thing, but I don't want to even go into the argument of tithing to start with because um, let me, let me, let me do this. Tithing, first of all, is not an Old Testament practice. Tithing is not the Old Testament practice in terms of under Aaron, the high priest. Tithing transcends Aaron. You see that in the book of Genesis I think chapter 14, Abraham was the first person to tithe. Abraham was the first person to tithe. If you do the mathematics of tithing, those of us who are mathematicians, 10% is an expression of the whole. 10%, the, the principle of the iceberg is saying that what you see, 90% is down there, but the ice that you see up there is just 10%. So the principle about tithing is this is the 100% of all of who you are. The principle about tithing starts with all of whom you are will ever be, you possess and will ever have. So um, when people get bracketed into 10%, it's because we don't even understand this issue of tithing to start with. Secondly, Jesus Christ never emphasized, and I'm just giving you this background so that I'll make a very simple comment. Jesus Christ never emphasized tithing. But you see, Paul mentioned in the book of Hebrews chapter 7, the verse 7, that even Levi in the loins of his father received tithe. And it's the reason why the priest received tithe. You look through the New Testament, you don't see um, the early church talking about tithe. And I'm not against somebody talking about it, but if we want to talk about it, if I want to discuss tithing with you, then you have to give your whole self to God. And the issue of giving goes beyond just finances. Right now you are sitting and you have given your time and your attention. Even though this is free, you have given your time and your attention. You who is working there, you are a bunch of CISO. I am totally, um, 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 I go bonkers, at, at, at the kind of teaching that says that um, giving is all about money. You give your time, you give your moment, you give your mind, you give your attention. You are a bunch of seeds that is working. Now, the Christian, the average believer is just thinking about, okay, I want to give my tithe and I want to give arm and bless people. The kingdom believer, he is giving 100%. He is if it's about tithing, he's tithing and goes beyond, beyond 10%. Not just that, as if that is not enough, he's gone into looking for witting inventions and ideas. I, knowledge dwells with wisdom to find out about witting inventions and begin to trust God that God will give him wealth so that he can advance. His objective is not about self-gratification. His objective is that I am even going to advance the kingdom, support the kingdom, and bless the kingdom so that things of God can advance forward other than things taken into my hands. You remember I said, if you understand this thing very well, finances, for example, will not stick into your hands. When I made a reference that there are a lot of people who have discovered the kingdom, but they are locked out 
they have no, they, they don't have the resources and the technology and to, to step out there to even speak. So as a result, their confidence is broken. But we have a bunch of Christians who are millionaires and they just want to continue to add zeros to the accounts in the, in the bank account. And then they can boast and say, I have this wealth, I have that wealth. But we need to step into the kingdom and create wealth and begin to talk about kingdom economics. Kingdom economics, my God, it's, it's, it's broader. And some of the principles of which you see in the book of Acts where Bible says nobody lacked. Nobody lacked. So I am not saying that tithing is wrong. But you see, some of these preachers will manipulate us and say, um, you are cursed with a curse because you didn't tithe. You are cursed with a curse because you didn't tithe. No. You must have confidence in the God that you believe in. And if it's 10%, that is your ability to start with. You start from 10%. But grow to 100%. Grow to give yourself. What is the tithing of 10% and you yourself, you're not giving to God? God will bless you. God will open the windows and bless you. And another thing I've said is this. Show me how many people have tithe and, and they are billionaires. You realize that it is not just in tithing. The, the normal Christian says, oh, tithe and give and go back and sleep. There's a preaching that says, the, that is a prosperity gospel mindset we are dealing with. That prosperity gospel mindset is that give and go and rest. God will do it. God will give you a miracle. So we are waiting and we are waiting for one miracle to happen to us. We are waiting for somebody to come and, and so, no. But here is Ruth. You are making effort. You are doing your business. You are thinking, what should I do next? God, God, give me idea. Uh, Prophet Mark, pray. What do we do? Which way? And all of this. And you are, you are rolling out. You are searching and reaching out. You are not a lazy woman. You go to give a tithe of 10% or 20% or whatever it is. I, me, the tithe that I give, I don't give 10%. No. I said, God has blessed me and done so much to me. Why do I take only 10%? I give more than that. And then I set aside and give to others. But at the same time, okay, my business. What is the next idea? I have to send invoice. I have to call a client. I have to call a customer. I'm making effort. And I'm trusting God that God will channel a blessing into my business. I walked past the garden of a lazy man and the walls were broken and tons and thistles had grown all over it. Then I looked upon and I understood and I was instructed that a little folding of arms, then poverty shall come upon you like an arm robber. That's what the Bible says. So the point is that the average believer says, give, 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 and no effort, no sense of direction, no no strategy for living, no strategy to expand and grow, to believe God. Even the strategy and the motive for wealth is wrong. Is that I want a large house, I want a big car and all. You know something? Um, there is a man who uh, works with my wife. Not that works with my wife, but she, I say she, he is, um, he's a preacher. And he's a clearing agent. And he lives outside the country. Recently he had COVID-19. There is something called the end of yourself, Ruth, and everybody. Sometimes the things that we are pursuing, we want a big car. I'm not saying car is wrong, 
look, car is never a luxury at all. If you, if you don't have a car and you are walking down the road and the rain starts coming down on you and you have your mobile phone and your laptop in your bag and some books in your bag. Stephen, you remember these things? You will understand what the situation is. Car is never a luxury. I remember how one day rain beat one of my friend and I. We took photo. If you look on Facebook, it's there. That photo is somewhere there on Facebook. We were beaten by the rain. We were carrying our bags and we were walking through the rain. God have mercy that our laptops didn't get drenched. Car is not a luxury. But the pursuit of it by this Christianity called prosperity is wrong. It's never the prosperity of Jesus Christ. So Ruth, give, bless, but reach out to grow in wealth and begin to express kingdom economics where you begin to promote the things of the kingdom and bless the kingdom and support the kingdom in the manner that God will live in heaven and said, have you seen my servant Ruth? Have you seen my servant Grace? This is a place we want to, we want to live in. We don't want to just get blessed, nice house, nice car. We have Christian children, Christian wife, and we are creating no impact in the earth. So those would be my thoughts. If somebody thinks you have something more to add, please go ahead and shoot it. Okay, thank you very much. I understand. Thank you. I, I thought that you were going to say maybe no pay of tight, but I understood immediately you used the test. The early Christians, yes. Yes. The followers of Christ, they were not paying, but they were sharing. They gave. They gave abundantly. Abundantly. That was when Anya and Safira made that made. Thank yes. you. Yes. 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 Thank you for catching the vision. I have a whole teaching on that. If I talk about tithing, oh boy, there's something called shared life. In the New Testament, it's called shared life. Shared life. In the Old Testament, a tooth for tooth, eye for eye. In the New Testament, it's shared life. You own nothing. I own nothing. That is the life we have. That is the tithe. You own nothing. I own nothing. Every single thing I have is given to me for God himself. I am a steward of divine mystery. If I'm a preacher, freely you receive, freely you must give. I am a steward of wealth. If you begin to see yourself this way, come on. You are opening yourself for heaven to bless. You are opening yourself for heaven to bless. Any more? Any more? Any more? Any more questions? Any more thoughts? Okay, if there are no questions, we want to pray again. We want to pray for Tracy and we want to pray for our dear friend Anderson Williams. Thank you and God bless you. Okay, let me see something before we go ahead. Okay, yes, God bless you. 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 Good, 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 good. Okay. So let's just take it this way. Let me just flow this way. Um <clears throat> Second Peter chapter 1, the verse 10 through 11. The scripture says that therefore, the scripture says that therefore, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. So this thing, 
of one seed forever seed is not the case here. It says that be diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. I mean, take these words as the words of the Lord himself being spoken to us. It says that you will never stumble for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our God, sorry, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, you will realize that from this verse, quick, some quick, quick analysis, that our calling is not ordinary. Our election is not self-appointed, but is that we are elected. It is, it is by divine choice. That is the point. That's the first thing. The second thing is that the, the scriptures tell us that if we give diligence to making this call and election sure, stable, relevant, then we will not stumble. We will not enter into the place of any stumbling. We will not create any offense in the, in, inside this realm of humanity and the realm of God. We will not bring anything to bear upon the 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 will of God, the plan of God. We will not stumble. We will not miss it. Then when that is fulfilled, there is this abundant supply of access to the everlasting kingdom of our God. It means that more layers, more opportunities, entrance inside the realm of God is granted to you and I to experience God on levels that we have never um, sin before. It says that when you make it sure, you will not, you shall not fail or you shall not fall. You shall not stumble. You shall not fall. You shall not stumble. You shall not miss your path. You, 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 you will not be caused to make mistakes. You will not sin. That is, that is what it means. So let's look at the principles here. Let's look at what these principles hold for us. Um, let's touch on this scripture too, before we come to the principles. I think I was running ahead of myself. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling? Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. When I, anytime I talk about this scripture, I talk about several things. And one of them that I would mention to you now is that the call of God, listen to me carefully because this will bring salvation. This will bring deliverance to somebody. I don't understand why I'll be called by God who is in heaven. And the devil will be able to stop me from fulfilling that call. Apart from walking in sin, apart from not honoring God, apart from walking in stumbling, sinning, making mistakes, not following the exactness of the protocols of the call upon my life. It says that this call, and this call is according to God's works, according to his own purpose, according to his own grace, in Christ Jesus before time began. So the point is that the call of God upon your life is older than the devil is older than the devil. It's older than the devil's familiarity even on the earth. Because this call originates not from the realms of the earth, 
but it originates right out of billions and endless realm of eternity inside God. And this thing has nothing to do with father's tradition, mother's tradition, and all. This thing defeats the devil. It is called the call of God according to his purpose, according to his grace, according to his works. Inside Christ Jesus. If any man be in Christ, this is one of the things that we would have addressed under if any man be in Christ, but we will set it aside. Get the revelation here, get the knowledge here. If any man be in Christ, you have a calling that is sure and that is bound up in eternity. So let's talk about why discovering your call or your calling is important. Why is it that if I discover what God has called me to do, it is important. Number one, your provision is connected to your calling. Your provision is connected to your calling. That should draw your mind back to Matthew chapter 6. Your provision is connected to your calling. The resources that you need to fulfill life, the relationships that you need to fulfill, fulfill destiny, it is all linked to your calling. So inability to discover your calling, work in it, those provisions will not come at all to you. You live in a place of struggling. You live in a place of fighting. You, 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 your environment will revolt against you. The, the place you live will begin to fight you. Conditions will literally turn against you because you are not inside your call. And the beauty about it is that those conditions are turned against you because they are trying to awaken a sleeping man, a sleeping woman to attend to his call. Provision is linked to your calling. Your provision is in the place of your calling. That is a different thing. It's called contest. Your place of your calling. There's something called geographical obedience. If God wants me to be in America and I find myself in Ghana, then that provision will not come to me. If God wants me to be in India and I'm finding myself somewhere in Kenya, there is some way that provision will come to me. If the Lord wants me in Canada and I'm way in Germany, that provision will not come to me. You see that in Genesis chapter 12. He said to Abraham, come out of your father's house among your people, among your own brethren, and go to the land that I will show you. And he told Abraham that I will bless you and that you shall be a blessing to many nations. And that tying to that calling and going out to the place that I'll show you and the blessing and all. He said, anybody that will curse you, I will curse. Anybody that blesses you, I will bless. He says that indeed out of you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So you realize that there's something about geographical obedience. Sometimes you may have to relocate in your call's journey in order to have the calling, um, find grounds and gain explosive capacity. And each and every one of us will have to allow God to bring us to that place, assuming physically we are supposed to move out of Ghana or we are supposed to stay in Ghana, then you stay in that location. Calling gives you freedom. Oh, Jesus. Calling gives you freedom. When you would have discovered your true self, you will never want to be the cartoon self of another. Calling gives you fulfillment. You feel fulfilled, you feel relaxed. Sometimes I wonder, the guy who is a driver, he feels so secured and so fulfilled 
and you who is pursuing a certain career and all a certain a certain dimension and you have a certain business you feel like oh god i'm not yet there that guy has found his calling and he's just comfortable in that environment of being a driver he may not have all the money and the resources but he is fine he's able to feed his family he's able to take care of his children it may be tough for him but he is fulfilled fulfillment is the bottom line fulfillment is the reason why you will hear in the news somebody will be asked by the parents go and read medicine but the person wants to become a finance person and after going to medical school and graduating he goes to hang himself and kills himself because he feels incomplete and he feels unfulfilled calling gives you significance it gives you recognition you are the best person who can do what you do i was saying something like that this evening you are the best person who can do what you do and there is no other like you you are unique by all yourself we speak this reverently and we speak within a human context you are unique by all yourself and there is none that can be compared to you so stop canceling yourself. Stop, stop self-cancellation. You are the best person who can talk the way you talk, who can express yourself the way you express, who can think the way you think. And calling gives you significance because when you stand in your call, even the powers that stand in hell begin to recognize you. But when you get out of your call, that is where you see young guy, 30 years old, dead. He is called Archbishop, dead. Because you begin to, you begin to, morph into realms that are not yours or meant for you. You transition into realms that are not defined for you. Calling gives you direction and focus. It gives you direction and focus in life. Calling gives you boundaries. In fact, that word calling and um, the application in Romans chapter 12, these scriptures are not written here and I'm giving them to you. Um, Romans chapter 12, it says that let everybody minister according to the grace that is given. It speaks of the boundary of your call. The boundary of your call. It defines your boundary, how far you can go, the things you can do and the things you cannot do. And let me submit to you, there cannot be anybody more anointed than you. I cannot be more anointed than you. You cannot be more anointed than me. So sometimes we look at some people and say, oh, this guy is really anointed. No, you are the person who is anointed for what you do and you are the best person who can do it that way. Calling helps you find your place and your assignment inside the kingdom. Your calling helps you find your place and your assignment inside the kingdom. Let's go further and look at your calling is seasonal. Your calling, the principle is that your calling is seasonal there are some calls that express themselves through a seasonal um, um, um moment there are some callings that express themselves through seasonal moment and then you transition into another and it's important that you discover these things and you work in them your calling is unique these things we've said them all already your calling is very unique and cannot be compared to another. Um, let's look at vision versus ambition. <laughs> There's something that just came to my mind. When you have ambition and, and wish mixed together, it's called wishing. 
It's called wishing. <laughs> Somebody said that and I heard it and I laughed. Let's look at vision versus ambition. Vision is people focus. Ambition is self-centered. You understand that the spectrum of your vision and calling is reaching far and wide in touching humanity. But ambition is that you want to underscore your bottom line. So you want to build this big organization, this big church, so that at least you can also be recognized. And what happens in that environment of ambition is that you begin to climb on top of people and you step on everybody so that you can be at the top. Vision is, is dedicated to building people and helping people, transforming people, making people realize their own call inside the kingdom other than ambition. Ambition leaves you all by yourself, causing all by yourself and pleasing yourself. Vision is about what we can give. Once it's about people, it's about how much we can give and invest in humanity. But ambition is about what we can get. When we see the people, we think about money and the resources and opportunities we can get out of them. When they are no longer of use to us, we discard them. When you see such a thing in an environment, know that it is disease because it is not vision. And therefore, you want to guard against that, that you will be people-focused and give to humanity and give to support humanity and build people. God is the source of vision. Self is the source of ambition. I think this is very clear. Vision is birthed and born out of God's interventions upon man's heart and man's mind. And whether you come into an open vision that defines you or something is birthed in your heart, divine intervention has happened. And the thing is, Habakkuk chapter 2, it says, I will climb up to my watchtower and I will listen to hear what he will say to me. Or I will look. It says, I will look to see what he will say to me and what will be my answer. And God came and said, write down the vision. Make it plain for, it for, an, for an appointed time. It is God that releases the vision, impresses it, and awakens man's heart to discover but ambition can set high extreme targets. And it is all about self, me, focus, and all. Vision is eternal. That is the beauty about it. Vision is eternal. So you see what God gave Abraham. If you look through Genesis chapter 12 down to Genesis 22, you see God telling Abraham that for I know, I know this Abraham, that he will command his children and the descendants after him. That, that um, um, scripture in Deuteronomy 29, 29, that says that the secret things belong to God, but the things that are revealed, vision, belongs to us and our children so that we can do the statutes of God. Our children, meaning generations yet unborn, that we have no clue and will never be in the earth uh, uh, um, even when they come. And some way, somehow, whether we wrote those things down on paper or we inscribed them in a piece of rock or somehow we documented them in a video or not, because it is eternal, God will, will transition this thing even into the life of our children, biological and spiritual. But ambition dies with you. When the man dies, everything dies with him. When the woman dies, everything dies with him. Vision is connected to God's kingdom. Ambition 
is instigated by kingdom of darkness. You realize that where the Bible says the flesh is at work, then Satan is at work. Then it is about the behavior of mere men. But vision is connected to the broad purpose of God, which is called the kingdom. Ah, vision is a solution to a problem in this earth or that the earth has, this earth has. Ambition creates more problems. More problems. It will solve one and create two. It will solve two and create five. It will solve five and create ten. That is the nature of ambition. But vision brings deliverance to man, brings solution to man, and, and all. Money is a reward for solving problems. Now let's touch on that carefully. <laughs> yes, why can you be said? Because we are ambitious and we have no vision. It's not birth from heaven. It is birth by our own will and desires and passion to make money. I was, let me tell you something. I was in a, in a conference yesterday at 12 p.m. And this conference is an entrepreneurship um, conference. And um, when I got in initially, I was a bit unsettled. So and several things were happening. I think I logged out and logged in again. Then a screen was put up and they were talking about some key principles about entrepreneurship. And this principle is that um, you, you, you want to get into entrepreneurship. The first thing is to look for where to make profit. And my spirit died out of the meeting. I wish I'd rather be in a finance and accounting class than coming to an environment that is described as kingdom people leading it and telling me all of a sudden the issue of profit. Because profit is a reward for solving problems. It is not about, I want to make profit, and so I am solving problems. Um, I discover problems and I resolve them, and I am paid for them. So people go into, for example, business wrongly, and they go with the idea, I want to make money, 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 money. You're not thinking of solving problems. So they have to shortcut people, shortchange people. They have to steal. They have to manipulate people. I'm bidding for um, a small contract. Um, um, now, I sent, I sent the invoice last week. Just a small contract. And I'm relaxed. If it is for me, it's going to come to me. I can't manipulate the process. Because I have a good solution. I'm going to provide it. If it is for me, I will have it. If it's not for me, I'm not going to have it. So to make money, start looking for problems. Look for problems everywhere. If it's profit you want to make, you don't go into the profit to start with. Look for problems everywhere. Sit by, by the roadside and look at humanity and their needs. Look into your area. Look at the things that every morning, for example, you go out to buy. Ask yourself, every morning, what do I go out to buy? How many families go out to buy that thing every morning? What can I do to solve that problem? You can think of becoming somebody who will go and supply fresh, fresh fruits, fresh food, like carrots and vegetables and all. All you need to do is get your connection and get a small van, and you write on it, 
grace supplies. It is grace that is the supply. Grace of heaven that is supplying. And what you have to do is, is disseminate some flyers around. And you realize, in fact, these few days, I've been seeing cars come around to fill people's gas, gas in my area. I see cars come around to uh, repair people's gas cylinders. They come and they announce it and invite you, you bring your gas cylinder, they assess it, and they repair it for you there and then. I'm seeing um, also, I think, a meat van that drives around. You, you need to take the solution to the doorsteps of the people, and then they will reward you for bringing the solution. Money is a reward for maximizing and using your God gift. So in, in solving problems, you can be an entrepreneur and, and or you can be somebody who, who, let me put it this way. You can be an entrepreneur who have just seen a problem and you don't have the gift to solve it, but you're able to put the resources together to solve that problem. That is one. Or you can be both. You are an entrepreneur. You pull the resources together, but you are also gifted and you are applying your gift as well to solve the problem. Men and women are paid for applying their gifts or becoming an entrepreneur, pulling resources together. I, I am not an IT person. Stephen knows. I have consulted for a couple of IT institutions. But out of, out of that, um, I have this entrepreneurship team. So I'm able to pull this together, pull that resource together, enact this contract and all. I remember I was traveling to the Czech Republic. And when I applied for my visa, they asked me to go and bring something. But before I left, they said, these documents you've given to us, how do you get them? And I said, um, those in check gave it to me. And the counselor asked, have they seen you before? I said, no. And she went like, how? How can they give you all these documents when they have never seen you before? I mean, that is an entrepreneurship skills and grace that I got, I got companies signing off the whole of Africa to me. Um, for example, there's a company in America that has signed the whole of Africa to me for one particular product. It is an entrepreneurship thing. But, but now we are talking about solving real problems, the power of creativity coming to the fore, not just um, 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 a secondary dependent on a solution, but the power. Even that, you would have seen an opportunity and you pull that one in. Men are reward for applying their gifts and calling, and money is a reward for solving problems. Money, like, just like swim goes with fishes, Money goes with solving problems. Your gifts do not define your callings. Your gifts do not define your callings. Your gift enables and helps the fulfillment of your calling. You see, and you may not have particular gifts, but your calling may be broad. And because the calling is broad, God will bring other men. For example, if you go to notgetglobal.org, on, on your, in your web browser, you will see that there's a landing page there. I am gifted. I am called with grace to spearhead and pioneer and, and lead an apostolic work. But I don't have the, the skills to put the site together. I have an idea how it should look, what should be changed, how it should be written, but I cannot do it. So one gentleman, Bright, he just, he just um, um, got chatting with me and he has known me for some time now, about two years or so. So he got chatting with me 
and he said, come on, you are well-learned, you, you are well-read, you, you have answers for a lot of questions. And some of these um, 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 common sense guys are just confused because I was addressing some of the issues on, the, on, on, on Facebook. And then um, he sent me something on KSM and I responded. They said, wow. I said, if you have a way, send it to KSM. Let him read what I, I, I wrote. And you should stop talking nonsense and, and, and think because you cannot second guess God. And you cannot sit down and be behaving. That is pure atheistic thinking. And Stephen said, I'm sorry, I said Stephen, <laughs> Bright. Bright. Bright said, wow. And I said, okay, so I have a piece of article I wrote. Let me share that with you. I sent it to him. He said, do you have a blog? I said, no, I don't have a blog. He said, come on, can I do one for you? I said, well, I have a domain. Can we do something? So Bright put that together. I don't have the skill. So your gift will not define your calling. Your gift will enable and help fulfill your calling. But if you do not have certain particular skills, God resources you by bringing men and women around you. God help you. So what is vision? A vision is a picture or a divine blueprint of your future that has not materialized yet in the natural. But it is as real as the manifestation that will be realized. A vision is a picture or a divine blueprint of your future that has not materialized in the natural yet. But it is real. So, you walk by sight until you discover your vision or your assignment in the kingdom. You know, in the process of discovering your vision, your sight, you, uh, sorry, your, 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 call, your, 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 your vision in the kingdom. Sometimes you are trying this, you are trying that, and you, 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 you walk by your sight, your understanding, your, your natural ways, and then, and then this vision happens to you. Or if you happen to have discovered this vision early, you are walking in it like that. So it is never wrong, um, and you shouldn't be frustrated that you are at that place when you are searching for that vision. Um, once you find it, you are going to be a man who have all the provision, the resources, and the connections that you need to fulfill that. Your vision, calling, and your dream um, is God's way or God's system of providing for you in the kingdom. We cannot overemphasize this point. It is God's way of providing for you to fulfill your destiny um, in the kingdom. If you don't have a vision, God cannot provide for you. I walked past the garden of a lazy man and the whole garden was broken. Then um, thorns and thistles are grown all over. And I looked upon, I observed, and I was instructed. That a little folding of the arms, a little slumber, then, then poverty shall come upon you like an arm robber. Solomon describes this condition. This guy totally lost his vision of why he put up the farm. And God does not bless, excuse my language, he doesn't bless foolishness. God does not bless um, anything that does not honor him. God does not bless anything that lacks vision. So he, even from the very onset, when he created man, he created man. In, in fact, look at the creation process. In creating man, he spoke into the process. Before creating man, he spoke. He said, now let us make man in our own image and likeness and let them, allow them to have this vision, this purpose and all. He spoke literally the whole creation process. Go take time and look at it again. God spoke into the process before crafting man. So you who exist, you exist in several layers of dimensions that the natural mind cannot unravel. 
easily. It will take an illumination of heaven. So if you don't have a vision, God cannot provide and bless you. Get a vision. Get a vision. Go before God. Get a vision. Get a vision. God's people are perish only for two reasons. One, for lack of vision. Proverbs chapter 29, 18. You know that. My people are perish. They cast off restraint. Two, specifically, because of lack of knowledge. Isaiah 5, the verse 13, and Hosea chapter 4, the verse 6. You know this scripture. These are familiar scriptures. But let's read Isaiah 5, the verse 13. We read Isaiah 5, the verse 12, this night during prayer on Facebook. Let's read the verse 13. See what it holds there for us all. Isaiah chapter 5, the verse 13. Therefore, my people have gone into captivity because they do not have knowledge. Their honorable men are famished and their multitudes dry up with thirst. These two are the reasons why um, God's people uh, uh, perish. I believe we can finish this note today. So let's see what we can do. Seven qualities of a God-given vision and calling. Seven qualities. One, it is always for the benefit of others. Always for the benefit of others. Two, it is impossible to accomplish it by yourself. It is impossible to accomplish it all by yourself. There is divine intervention needed. There are relationships to be brought in for you to be able to fulfill that. If, if I can recognize this, because look at the graphic um, artist work, the graphic, the graphic, uh, the artwork concerning AKC 20, 2020. Very beautiful. Very good. But I didn't do that. I cannot do that. I don't have the capacity to do that. Unless God invades me and gives me some automatic adjustment and, and full-blown knowledge to do that instantly. I couldn't have. Somebody on the team dedicated himself to get that done. Until you recognize that, that you, you, you cannot go solo, then you are in a place of fulfilling vision. Your current circumstances sometimes will be contradicted to the vision that God has given you. No money, no opportunities, nobody is interested in you, your product is not recognized. Did you hear the story of Sylvester Stallion? How he got into acting? I think he wrote a script and he showed it to one of the producers and they, they showed it to the side. They said, this is totally useless. Forget about it. It's not work. It's not sell. I think he showed it to a second person or so. They threw it out. And he decided to act it, act it himself. That is how Stella, Stallion, uh, Sylvester, Sylvester Stallion, we call Rambo, became who he is. So um, sometimes your present circumstances will be contradictory. And if you're not careful, if you're a man of God, a woman of God, you're into ministry, you look at that environment and you suddenly give up on your calling and you just write yourself off. It will have to be, um, you have to be full of tenacity, pressing in. Um, I, didn't, I didn't arrive here with the level of knowledge and understanding and the more discovery I'm even making. I, I didn't arrive there in one time. There were moments of discouragement. There were moments where I go to church Sunday, not, not my church I'm leading right now, but when I used to be in a church and I was a young, young youth person there, I go to church Sunday morning and I'm discouraged and I don't know what to do. 
I'm, I feel so heavy, this depression hanging over me. But I just have to continue to press into the purpose of God. I finished secondary school. I knew God had great plans for me and had something big for me. And there was nobody to push me into university or anything. So I had to literally take life and begin to develop myself. So your present circumstances will not necessarily point you to and support your vision. You have to disobey. You have to plow against the wind. You have to plow against the mountain and ensure that you are arriving there. You will have to overcome a numerous obstacles to achieve the vision. You will not you will not have the resources to fulfill your vision. You will not have it readily by you. That's what the statement means. You will not have it readily by you. The money you will not have. Right now, I need money to move my church from the location where it is. I don't have it around me. Should I stop the ministry? No. Should I give up on that? No. I have to continue to believe God and continue to live in that place until God himself will provide himself a lamp until we will find the resource. And also, if you want to look at natural circumstances and sometimes you want to look at the wrong model that is obtainable in a society, that, that um, 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 some of which are these father figures, you will totally miss it because some of them don't tell you their story, don't tell you their struggles. They don't tell you their pain, their discouragement. They don't tell you how many times they, they, they would have wanted to quit ministry. Even as huge and big as they are, they, some of them will not tell you how they dread Sunday morning and they feel empty within with all the achievement they have. So the fulfillment of the vision does not lie in the big auditorium that you have. I've been saying this thing and I've been saying it for, is it two years or more now? That listen, God could make a boast of a 7,000 prophets that have no name, no face. And today I even posted, I think, two things on them that have no name, no face, no people, no ministry uh, of the sort. But these are people God could make a boast of. And therefore, fulfillment of the vision may not lie in a place of great resources and provision at all. I want to set up a studio in my home and make sure I can do proper work and, and edit my work and send them out and bless people, create synapses and all, raise team and pay them. How do you do all this? The resources is not here. You keep waiting and fulfilling and keep going and doing with what you have readily. Because many are not patient, because many are not patient, they quickly look for the shortcuts to become what they are. They'll go to get some chance get some juju, get some voodoo power. They, they, they manipulate people. They look for the shortcuts to fulfill this vision. If it's given by God, wait on it. Like Habakkuk was told in Habakkuk chapter 2. Wait on it for it's, an appointed, it's for an appointed time. It will look impossible in the natural. It will look impossible in the natural. You will have to go through the, through the depth of your vision. You, do, you, do you hear that? Acts chapter 9. The death of your own vision. You will have to have to go through the place of blindness, and then you come into resurrection and begin to see afresh. If we will have to um, discover God's vision for us, these are some of the qualities that I entail there. Seek His righteousness. Let's talk about that. Seek His righteousness. Jesus commanded us to seek His right, His His kingdom and righteousness first. One won't work without the other. Let's establish that. It is not righteousness. 
and then not six. So we cannot say um, justice because the same word righteousness is also defined a whole system of justice. In right, that word righteousness defines a whole system of justice. So we cannot talk about justice without bringing in the fullness of the kingdom. The two walk hand in hand. So let's examine something. What is righteousness? Coming into alignment with God's character. Coming into alignment with God's character. Coming into alignment with God's moral standard. Coming into alignment with God's holiness. God's expectation. Free from the guilt of sin. Being one with God. Set apart from our own works. And set apart from the law. That is the defining stature of righteousness. We will need to be in alignment with God. His holiness is expectation. We are free from sin. And God is not sitting up there waiting to punish us. Don't allow religion to speak that to you. Run to him because it's the best place you can be in the midst of your, your, your confusion and sin. Run to him. Even if you feel bad and dirty, run to him. And I saw Joshua standing in the presence of God and Satan opposing him because of his filthy garment. Joshua did not go stand somewhere in the territory of the devil. He stood right in the presence of God and Satan came opposing him. But at the end of the day, the advocacy of God stood out and defended, defended the, the high priest Joshua. The high priest Joshua. Three kinds of righteousness. One, righteousness comes through the law. It is called legalism. Legalism. Like the Pharisee spirit. They uphold the pristine, even I mean, you think I'm using the wrong word. They uphold the high point of interpretation of the law. 20 steps on the Sabbath day, then you are fulfilling the Sabbath. 10 steps on the Sabbath day, you are fulfilling the Sabbath. If you go beyond 10, if you go beyond 20, you have, flout, you have flouted the law of the Sabbath and all kinds of things. Righteousness that comes by law, legalism. And this thing has even invaded our church world invaded our church system. People sin, people fall into a little sin and they are thrown on a black bench. No liberty, no freedom. Their offering is not even taken. Hey, church, we need to come to the place where we walk in the true righteousness that is by faith. Righteousness that comes by self, self-righteousness. And righteousness that comes by faith is given by God. I spoke today, this morning, a bit about how Martin Luther broke the religious divide that um, um, they were applying penance where you will have to punish yourself for your own sins. Righteousness that come by faith spoke to him as he was kneeling. In fact, I hear somewhere in Rome on this staircase that they knelt to punish themselves for their own sins. Um, there are holes in them. There are holes in them because men use their need and they bled. Some people have to kneel in the sand and kneel in the gravel. On the, on, on the chippings that is used to, to, to build a road. And you have to kneel on sharp rocks so that they can, they can atone for their sin. No way. It is righteousness by faith. It says the just shall live by faith. If there is a trace of self-righteousness found in us, we will not enter God's kingdom at all. So let's look at this one. This one is a bit heavy. And let me look at the time. Allow me to press in and press in for 15 minutes. Let me see if we can cover it. It's a bit heavy. You know the story of the two sons. In fact, people 
say that is the is the parable of the prodigal son but please let's begin to think afresh because the imagery there and the focus there was not just on the prodigal son the focus was one on the father the one that was called the prodigal son the elder son and the servants that were in the father's house and the setting of the father's house so you cannot talk about only a prodigal son here you have to even even this note addressed just the two, um, but does not even go uh, a bit more to look at the, that entire environment, even though it touches a bit. So let's look at the broad spectrum. Now, there are three layers of revelations that we want to discover in this. Sorry. There are three layers of revelation we want to discover in this. Luke chapter 15, the verse 11 through 32. There are three layers of revelation we see these two sons represent two entire human race. Two entire human race. We could bring in the servants in the father's house as well, but that is not for this note. Two entire human race. The first group depends on their, their own good works. The first group of human race depends on their own good works. The second group run away from God. These two sons represent two sides of humanity two human race the two sons represent two different races the jews and the gentiles the jews and the gentiles these two sons um now let's read romans chapter 9 and then let's come back romans chapter 9 what shall we say then that gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained righteousness even the righteousness of faith but Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness. You see that? Do you see the issue of legalism? Pursuing the law of righteousness or the, the righteousness that comes by the law has not attained to the law of righteousness. These are things being spoken. Has not attained to the very law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. Romans chapter 9, the verse 32 to 32. Romans chapter, chapter 10, the verse 19. I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. Speaking of the Gentiles. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. Two sides of human race. Romans chapter 9 again, 26 to 20, 20 uh, 25 to 26. I will call them my people who were not my people and her beloved who was not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not a people. There they shall be called sons of the living God. Romans chapter 9, 25 through 20. Six, the two sons. So you see the two human race. The Jews, the Jews are pursuing it by law. The Gentiles, you and I, are pursuing it by grace. And the Lord has brought us in. Now these two sons represent two covenants. Two covenants. The older son represents the older, old covenant. And the younger son represents the new covenant. So the older son did... Um, 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 
the, the older son was walking by his own works. If you know the story very well, he said, Father, I've served you all these years, not even a little goat at all. His own, he's speaking concerning his own righteousness. And the question is that in the Old Testament, did anyone ever become righteous by keeping the Old Covenant? No. Even the scriptures we just read about the Jewish people, none. The younger one represents a new covenant. In the new covenant, people are made righteous not by their works, not by their own ways, but by faith in Christ Jesus. Now, as we are looking at this, we let's begin to have a reflection of our own selves. How do we relate to God? How do I relate to God inside the kingdom? Do I do it in a legalistic way? Do I keep pinching myself and knocking my head? Oh, you have been foolish for doing this. Or I forgive myself and accept the forgiveness of our Father by faith in Christ Jesus and my position is established and even Satan cannot hold anything against me. Why did the younger son run away from his father? Have you asked that question? Why did the older son go to the field working with the, with the servant, even though he was the son in the house? Do you understand the question? The younger son, he's a son. He runs away from the father. The older son, instead of enjoying the resources, because the father himself told him, you remember, I think the verse 32 in uh, Luke chapter 15, he said, Father, this and that. And the verse 32, the father said, Son, you have always been with me, and all that I have is yours. So why did the older son go to the field working? How many older sons of the father of the kingdom are still struggling in the field when they are supposed to be living out of the place of divine rest? When they are supposed to be living out of the place from the morning, the evening and the morning was the first day. The evening and the morning was the second day. The evening and the morning was the third day. When they are supposed to be living from the place of the finished work of Christ. When the Bible says God declares the end from the beginning. How many of us are still living under democracy, not the kingdom? The older son went to the field. Why did this thing happen? They both had a wrong, a wrong, a wrong perception of their father. What he expected, what he expected of them. They all, all of them had a wrong conception of what their father expects of them. My father and his house is not good enough for me. So he runs away. My father and his house, not good enough for me. He's gone. What my father did is not good enough. What my father did is not good enough. That's the oldest I'm talking. What my father did is not good enough. Why would he give the big goat for this boy who went to waste everything? Wrong, 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 wrong expectation of the father. And this is the way we've been related to God and we relate even among our own selves. That we see God blessing somebody. We say, God, why are you blessing this person? I've been here all this while. And God is saying, all that I have is yours. So two deadly viruses that, that um, Abraham, <laughs> Abraham described as uh, being more than COVID-19. It says that virus is God is not good enough. What God did is not good enough. Or Sorry, it's not it's not enough for me. God is not good enough. What God did is not enough. Dangerous virus. 
Where did those two viruses come from? How did they plague these boys and us? For God knows that in the day that you eat, in the day that you eat of the fruit, your eyes will be opened and you shall be like God, knowing good and evil. Genesis 3, 5. That is it. The root of wrong conception of God is that we allow sin to begin to define God for us and the interaction with Satan. That wrong conception continue to run and rule the world. God is not good enough. Look at the things it expresses. We will run away from our father's house and it speaks of selfishness, self-focus. The enemy will steal and use what belongs to us to build his kingdom. When we believe in God is not good enough, we live by self. When we believe God is not good enough, the enemy, we give the enemy opportunity. He went and wasted everything and live, live and ate pig's food. We will waste our resources on having physical pleasure and parties because we do not see that God is good and that he has given us those resources and we should apply it to kingdom use. We will not believe God really loves us. So we will go looking for love from others and among other things. This is the reason why some people are living the way they are living. This is the reason why some people continue to jump out of one situation to the other because they believe God does not love them. So they keep searching for approval everywhere. I know God loves me. I know he has called me. I am not looking for anybody's approval to do what I do. Rather, I seek his favor and I ask that he will give me favor with men as well. As a result, God is not good enough. As a result, we will develop what is called an orphan heart. No. So I think this Thursday, I want to be talking about, about, about something in relation to this. How are distorted perception? And I will talk a bit more about the orphan spirit. How it all perceives God and all. Similar to this. We will have low self-esteem and low opinion of ourselves and demonic powers will be troubling us. We will end up sleeping with the pigs, eating and drinking things that we shouldn't. God is not good enough. We have left home. We are living by self. We will seek for acceptance and approval of others. One good thing about this virus is that there is a potential for this person to return to their father's house and be restored and receive the righteousness of God. That is one good thing about this virus. God is not good enough. So the man and the woman that is being driven by God is not good enough. We trust and believe that God will steady your heart because that thing creates a vacuum. It's the reason why people are found by the alcohol bottle because they are looking for fulfillment, validation, approval, acceptance, and they give themselves all, but it is a search for God. It is all. God is not good enough. It's part of the search for God. It's not part of the search for God. So what God did is not good enough. That is the senior brother. He will depend on his own works trying to please God than to, uh, than to, and, and to be accepted by him. You see, Bible says by faith we please God, but we will depend on our own works. So when I teach these things, 
I, I teach this and sometimes I leave and say, oh God, I didn't teach it well. I didn't express it well. I could have said it a bit more better. I could have expressed it that way. Oh, this was not clear. I'll be beating myself. But you see, that is the flesh speaking. That is the works of myself trying to speak. But when I begin to release myself into the beauty of faith, I enjoy that whatever I thought, God has given me grace to do what I have to do. We will become perfectionists. You see those people? They are perfectionists. They are perfectionists. They have to do things in a certain manner and nothing pleases them. We will be very critical of others and ourselves and we would be able to truly love others. Because if you cannot love yourself, you cannot love another. We'll become, we'll become hardworking and committed to our own head. We work, we are, we are committed to effort. We become very legalistic and rules-oriented. And we will live to keep the rules and obey them. We are very judgmental of others and their weakness. Difficulty, you have such strong difficulty to forgive people. We will enjoy anything. We will, sorry, we will not enjoy anything in life because we always want to do more, 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 and we are never satisfied with what is there. May God deliver us from this virus. Always working hard, but not achieving anything. Won't be able to receive the righteousness of God at all. Hard to repent. Won't recognize your own weakness because he's a perfectionist. You will not achieve God's best and will end up human doing. And you heard me say that before. That there's a difference between human doing and human being. We become doing, 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 instead of becoming human being as God has created us. Very profound. These two viruses. Um, so let's touch on kingdom identity. Let me see how much time we have. Okay. Let's touch on kingdom identity. I think if we stay on 10 minutes, we are done and hooray. Somebody tell yourself the end is near. What 12 weeks has this been? What a torture. <laughs> but it's been very good. Very, very good. And I believe God is using this to awaken you in several ways. So let's talk about kingdom identity quickly. In the kingdom, it's about sonship. In the kingdom, it's about sonship. You know, the world deceives us in so many ways. And the world begins to talk about leadership and leadership and leadership and leadership. But if you want to function inside this earth, and you want to function from the kingdom, it starts with sonship. And it is sonship that creates leadership. You saw how God announced Jesus Christ when he got into the earth. He didn't send him to leadership taught schools. And I'm not saying don't go to leadership trainings and or do. But enter into those realms with understanding of sonship. For sonship, a son is the owner of everything. When God was manifesting Jesus Christ, he said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Divine attestation, divine commissioning, divine partnership, divine release, all kinds of things. Divine approval, empowerment, acceptance before men were all issued out inside that thing. So the Bible tells us in the book of Luke chapter 3, the verse 38, looking at the beginning of things, Adam was a son of God. So the scripture says, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Adam, the son 
of God. Adam, the son of God. Adam was not just some human being created and thrown here. He is a son of God. So you remember, I told you that we'll be talking about the concept of sonship if we are dealing with the issue of a breath and man became. Because it's important that we understand what that entails. This sonship thing that um, has become uh, 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 the new plaything inside inside the kingdom as a thin lying down. This one is my son. This one is my son. This one is my son. This one is my father. Come on. <laughs> there has deep perspective to sonship and I wouldn't dare start it even now. Um, I would love to teach it and teach some other perspective. I'll also get some friends to come and teach some other perspective in, in um, a Thursday meeting. So I'm praying that share, share the, the link, invite people to participate in this because something is about to happen to us. Adam is a son of God. Adam did not start as a leader. What did Adam do to become a son of God? Let's begin to talk, address that. And begin to just oppose that close to how today's modern system of recruitment into sonship looks like. It's a system of recruitment, and then it's a vacuum system. It sucks you in and does not allow you out. So you go into that relationship of sonship, You'll be pursued everywhere, everywhere. There are some people who are chasing me every now and then. Why don't we see you again? What is happening? Have we done anything wrong? Tell us so that we can make improvement. I say, as a matter of fact, I've seen nothing wrong with you guys. <laughs> I've seen nothing wrong with you guys. It's not in my place to come correcting you. I don't want to start any fight for myself. But when you hear me preaching and teaching and you find something wrong with you, that is up to you because you listen. So, <laughs> what did Adam do to become a son of God? Nothing. It was Adam's birthright to be a son of God because he was created in the image and likeness of the Father. Seven reasons why sonship is important in the kingdom. One, the Father is looking for sons. The Father is looking for sons. You know that scripture. The Father is looking for sons. Creation recognizes sons, not leaders. That is why we've done several leadership programs and we have still failed. It is better that we begin to communicate our leadership program from the thought perspective of sons of the kingdom. Demonic world only recognizes the authority of sons. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. He didn't say Pharaoh. He didn't say Herod, John the Baptist. The Pharisees hear him. He declared they hear him into all dimensions and facets of existence. The father releases and approves only sons. This is my beloved son. Approval, divine attestation. The kingdom belongs to sons. The kingdom belongs to sons. We are referred to as sons of the kingdom. Inheritance belongs to the sons. Sonship is the solution to overcome fear. Let me add, I, I, I'm finding acceptance of men. Come on, if you discover that you are a son of God, you need max approval to feel accepted. You don't need max approval at all. That is the way I relate to people around me because I see you through the mind's eye of sonship and I recognize you as such as the father recognizes you. What qualities, sorry, what qualifies us to be sons in the kingdom? Righteousness of God. 
Righteousness by faith, not righteousness by legalism and self-righteousness. Simply, righteousness by faith. So let's look at the process to receive the fatted calf. You know, the fatted calf belonged to the son. And the elder one could not get it. He was crying. The younger one got it. What was the process? How come the elder son couldn't get it? Because he was caught up in his own works and righteousness. And we look at a whole tall list of what happens when we are caught up in that. Where we are legalistic, where we are holding on to the law, we are fault-finding, we are critical and cynical and all. The thing that qualifies you and I to receive the fatter calf is the rope of righteousness. That rope of righteousness restores us to the place of our sonship. Have you lost it? Do you know a brother or sister who have lost it? A man of God who have lost it completely and living for the world? Come back home to the place of righteousness, not the place of condemnation of men and legalism. It is that which restores us to the position of sonship. The ring that was placed upon the son's finger represents authority of a son. The signet ring is usually a sign of authority and an identity. The sandals put upon his feet was the issue of inheritance of the son. Besides that, it speaks of purpose. It speaks of rediscovering your roots, your purpose inside God. It speaks of friendship. There's something in the Bible called the sandals covenant. It speaks of friendship. It speaks of becoming a friend and a son of the father again. Then the fatted calf is the benefit of the son. This is just a simple process. Go back and receive the righteousness of God. The rope comes and the ring and the sandals and you have the fatted calf. Whatever the fatted calf may mean to you, remember you have the fatted calf. Let's touch on these two slides and we are done. The older son declared why he deserved the fatted calf and did not receive anything from the father. But the father said something. He said, son, you have always been with me. It's important I touch on that. You have always been with me, and everything that I have is yours. There is that thing about sonship and relationship. Sonship and relationship. That if we'll be able to live constantly in that relationship with the father and not, not depend our, on our own works, come on, the fathered calf, is for us as well. The younger son had nothing to boast about, but the elder son had everything to boast about. The son returned to the father. It is time that we all return to the father. We all return into relationship. If we return into the relationship, come on, we are receiving of this fatted calf. And there is no trace of anger or rejection in the father towards his two sons. Oh yeah. There is no trace of rejection or anger towards his two sons. There is the same heart God has towards each one of his children. And so this is the end. It's very beautiful to have gone through this for the past 12 weeks. God bless you. God bless you. Clap for yourself. Clap for yourself. Clap for yourself. You've done, you've done what Napoleon could not do. Napoleon couldn't sit through a school of ministry like this. <laughs> you've done what Napoleon could not do oh yes so till God bless you so your, your Sundays are now spared they are spared right your Sundays are now spared 
are spared. And if it works well, we can shift next week's meeting, the, the last meeting for, um, what do you call it? Um, School of Develop, Deve Developing Prophetic Gifts to Sunday because Friday I'll have to honor an elder. I have to honor one elder, one apostle who has just fallen in love with me and wants to take me to Britain and everywhere. He, 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 just, he, just, he just want to see my ministry grow. I have to give him great honor, great honor. So let's position ourselves for Sunday. And um, what, what it means is that I'll have to generate a new link and share for that meeting. And I'll do that exactly. So God bless you. So let's get into question and answers. Comments and all. Comment and all. Comment and all. Comment and all. Comment and all. Who has a question? What did I say something that was not very clear? You want to speak into that? Oh. Oh, dead silence. Dead silence. Ruth, do you have any question? Grace, do you have any question? Grace, I prophesied to you today. Did you realize that? I said something to you today during the teaching. When you combine your ambition with your wish, it's called wishing. It's just wishing. All right. If there are no questions, I would just want to have you unmute your microphone and let's pray. Let's just pray. Let's thank God. Let's thank God. And thank God for my life too, for giving me grace to be teaching all these things left to right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. Stephen, I got it. Because, man, it's been, I was looking at myself. Did you realize that I've been teaching on Facebook for <laughs> how many months now? And I'm still teaching. And every Sunday evening, with the exception of a few days, I'm out. Man, let's, let's bless the name of the Lord. Let's thank God together. Thank God for your life. Thank God for me. Thank God for Abraham. Thank God for all our relationships. Bless God. Bless God. Father, we bless your name. Unmute your microphone. Bless God. Bless, bless, bless God. Pray in the spirit. Uh, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. My God, we give you thanks. Lord, we exhort you. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we honor you. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for giving us life. We thank you for this opportunity oh, that you have given us. We thank you for all that you have done Father. and you continue to do. We thank, thank you for you. how far you brought us. 
Lord, we bless you for this great, great, great opportunity to have gone through these lessons. Lord God Almighty, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Oh God, we lift it. Oh God, we exalted. Oh God, we honored. Oh God, we glorify. Oh God, there is none like you. Rado zebra gato zibedibi. Rando zuto de 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 shekadalaba. Lindo zekete. Father, thank you for the resources. Thank you for the wisdom. Thank you for the understanding. Thank you for the empowerment. Oh Jesus. We give you praise. We give you glory. We yes, give you holy. honor. We exalt you. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Now, we want to pray. We want to pray. We want to pray for everyone who has participated. Some people missed some of the sessions. Some people were consistent. And all. we want to pray for everybody. That the spirit of these messages that have been taught the kingdom is here. In fact, this Sunday, I'll be speaking to a group of people in the Caribbean. They've David a prophetic conference. Man, prophetic gathering. There is something that is breaking out in the earth. We want to pray that these teachings, the spirit of these teachings will grip you, will grip your brother, will join, will miss it anyhow that we will grow in it. We will not remain even at this level. We will grow in it. We will expand. We will go forward. You want to pray these things. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you glory. Father, I pray for my brother Theophilus. I pray for my brother Albert. I pray for Kennedy. I pray for Grace. I pray for Ruth. I pray for Temi. Lord God Almighty, I pray for Stephen. Jehovah, I pray for Martin. I pray for Prince. Jehovah God, let your spirit go out and begin a work in them. Let the spirit of these teachings envelop them, grab them. Let the spirit of these teachings arrest them. Let them begin to ascend in the matters of the kingdom, expand and grow. In the name of Jesus, I give you praise. I give you glory. I give you honor. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we give you thanks in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So, um, I'm going to take a break after all these teachings. I'll take a break the whole of November, uh, the whole of October, because October, no, October is, is, is full of activity. And I don't want to uh, miss anything. So October, I'm taking a break. November, I'll take a break. I think sometime in November, we will start an advert that will run for the school to start um, in January. We want to pray. We want to pray that um, Kingdom Learning Space, weekly online Bible study, will grow, will expand. More people will be able to connect from every facet of the earth. We want to pray that these schools, School of Prophetic Development, you know what it has done to you. You know what insight it has brought to you. You know how it has shaped you. We want to pray that God will cause these schools to grow. 
more subjects will be added. Now I'm just beginning to think, how do I even add more subjects? So some of you eventually will have to start teaching. We'll have to start teaching. Then I can go on, 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 on holidays in the, in the Bahamas and go and rest. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, it was even designed to have some of my colleagues join these training schools and begin to teach it. But many of them even fall, fall out. We are praying that God will stir the heart of many people to join this thing. God will stir the heart of many people to join the weekly online Bible study. We'll join the school of prophetic development. We'll join the apostolic schools that are coming. We'll join the school of ministry, the kingdom training school. Let's pray. Let's pray that this thing will grow, will expand everywhere in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We give you praise for growth and for expansion. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we ask that, Lord, you begin to touch the heart of men as the, as the broadcast, the teachings, the, the, the ads will begin to go out. That men will begin to reach out to register to participate and be part of this school. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we give you glory. Touch men in America. Touch men and women in, in, in the Caribbean. Touch men and women inside Africa, inside West Africa, inside Liberia, inside Nigeria, inside the Comoros, inside Congo, South Africa. Hey, God, bless them. And I ask that you move your spirit in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and begin to turn the events around. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you begin to cause this school to expand on every side. Lord God, the weekly online Bible study, that it will grow. The kingdom training school, that it will grow. The school of developing prophetic gift, that it will grow. And the many more subjects that are coming. We give you praise, O oh God. We give you glory. We give you honor. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to pray for yourself. He said, fear not, little flock. For it is the Father's pleasure that will give you the kingdom. So it is God's desire, God's idea that you will be resourced. And it says that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And every other thing will be added unto you. You want to pray for yourself. Lord, if truly this kingdom is what it is. Father, let me see your glory. Let me touch your manifestations. Begin to pray things that are in your heart. Pray for yourself. Pray over things that are in your heart. Pray. Just pray. Talk to God. Father, here I stand, your servant, concerning the matters of the kingdom. Lord God, you said you add everything. And so, Father, we stand in this place. Let your word be fulfilled. Lord, let resources are now, I command and I release the technology, the products, the items, the resources needed to carry out these teachings and the setting up of the studio. 
I release blessings upon my businesses. I command divine helpers to come from north, south, east, and west. Financial helpers, Lord, men and women with skill who will connect and join this vision and begin to expand it and grow it. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Lord, inside the kingdom we lack nothing. For it is designed that even birds will not go hungry. How much more us who are in charge of the kingdom will reach out to you, O oh God, that let your spirit and your presence be upon us. Now, Lord, every difficulty and every situation that has defied every prayer in our lives, we bring it and summon it right in the court of heaven. And we say, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let every kingdom in our lives go, in our homes go, in our marriages go. Lord, as we have embraced your word of the, of the kingdom, let our marriages be invaded. Let our finances be invaded. Let our ministries be invaded. Let us begin to enter into an expansive dimensions of the kingdom. Oh God, your word says that except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Lord God, May us begin to have vistas and panoramas and shapes and designs of the kingdom on, on, on levels that we have never experienced before. We ask that grace and power will break upon us. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Father, we thank you. We bless you. We give you praise. We give you glory. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Um, um, any comment, anything? I have one prayer topic I want to raise, but... Um, any comment, anything you want to share, something, and then I, I'm going to raise this prayer topic and we pray for somebody. Two persons, yeah. We'll be praying for. Any feedback, anything? If not, if not, um, even if you have a comment after this prayer, you can still. I want to raise this prayer topic. I want us to pray for Albert's mother. I want us to pray for Albert's mother. I want to pray for Albert's mother. Okay. We, want to, we want to bless him with many more years. Mm -hmm. When is her birthday, Albert? Uh, it's in March. 23rd March. Yes. March. We want to pray yes. and bless her with many more years. We want to God to deliver her from any trouble. He said he will deliver you from six troubles. The seventh yes. one will not touch you. We want to pray for her. And we want to pray for Anderson Williams. We want to pray that the spirit of God that dwells in his mortal body will quicken him, will quicken him, will quicken him, will quicken him, quicken his bones. And all, please let's pray for these two persons, Anderson Williams and Abes. Abes, what's your mother's name? She speaks very good English, eh? Uh, yeah. She speaks very good English. What's her name? 
patience. We are praying patience for now. We are praying for mommy patience now. We are praying for Anderson Williams. Father, we thank you. Father, in the Father, name Father, of Father. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We lose from every sack that she has been placed in spiritually. We take it out of that We pray for many more years. We pray for health, we pray for vitality. We pray for elongation of her life. We pray that, Father, you will bless her. Lord, now, you over let his mother body, his mother body, begin to respond to your love and your power. In the name of Jesus. Lord, let you Thank you, Father. We give you glory. We give you praise, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. God bless. It's been wonderful. Twelve good weeks. Ah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, on on my behalf, on behalf of everybody, you know that's uh, yeah, that that participated in uh, this course. Uh, we want to express our appreciation Thank you, sir. You know, for uh, your for this labor of love. Amen. Uh, you know your time and been spending your own resources. Amen. And then and the fact that you didn't charge us anything, you know. <laughs> And you were uh, just so passionate, you know, about equipping us with the principles of the kingdom. So zealous imparting us with the word, imparting us with the grace and everything, uh, the, the words of prophecy and for allowing uh, uh, you know, for making yourself available for God to use you to bless us this way, you know, we are eternally grateful, Amen. eternally Amen. grateful, and, and and we can't thank you enough. Yeah, yes. as, as, as I, was, uh, I was telling my wife that, uh, you know, for you to selflessly, you know, commit yourself to be doing this and um, and 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 not even expecting anything, you know, from us or or from anybody, just doing it out of love. I was like, wow. I mean, 
I'm sure that uh, you know we're talking about the last the last Basilia meeting. Okay. I was like, I was like, I mean, for that alone, I can imagine the anointing that is going to descend. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, uh, yeah, we know that um, that God Himself is going to, you know. I mean, reward you mightily, Amen. and it's our prayer, our prayer that the Lord will increase His grace on your life, and the Lord will even uh, lift you to higher dimensions of the Spirit, and and that you know will also uh, continue to, uh, you know, to to. To be in touch in spirit, I yes, mean, yes, you know, yes. to be praying, yes. uh, not just for ourselves, but also to pray for all those on this platform, and, and particularly you. Amen. And, yeah, that the Lord, you know, will give you the grace to even uh, continue yeah, this good work. Amen. Yeah. So, we, yeah, we are saying thank you. And thank you, too, for being available. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for registering and being part because we could have just put out a link there and nobody will register. So um, it's symbiotic. You gave God also the opportunity for grace to flow. You became vessels through which grace flowed into. And um, I also appreciate your time and your, your commitment and all. Sometimes especially the Friday meetings, we are teaching into the middle of the night and praying, and you are sleepy, and grace will dodge me, and all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's just beautiful. And you know, something unique has happened, that it has even drawn us, these, these discussions have even drawn us closer to ourselves, um, mm -hmm. that we can, feel, uh, we can feel one another even more. Yes, and um, I, want to, I want to encourage you, just like um, you know me already, you can budge in any time, WhatsApp, call, and, and let's just stay, stay, stay hooked on, and uh, we'll see what God has for us. In fact, um, in the next advert, I'm going to advertise the second course, which is um, Discovering a Purpose, gifts and callings, so discovering purpose, calling and gift. So I will encourage you to even sign on on that. And uh, since the Sunday has been very comfortable, I would probably would want to put that course on a Sunday for you. Uh, it does not follow any particular pattern that you need to do the course one before you do that second course. So anybody at all who didn't participate in this course and still take up that course. And that runs also for, that one runs only for five weeks. That will be a short, a short program. But um, this October, November, we give ourselves a break so that January thereabout, we begin to pick things up and we strengthen ourselves um, in, in the faith. Lastly, I want to encourage you, do well to register for um, um, the, the um, um, North Gate not get uh, a meeting, uh, advanced kingdom conversation slated for 
next month. I want to encourage you, do well, do well. Um, I don't know if I've sent you the flyer, if I've sent you the link. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, 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 I want to encourage you to, to do well. In fact, uh, here is Anderson, he's a thick guy. Some of you perhaps, Albert, for example, you have encountered him. Uh, Abraham. Yes, from the first Yes, when he was in Ghana last year. In fact, these guys, these guys are all heavy. Yeah. People don't know them. People don't know them. And we don't necessarily need people we know before we can put a program together. Somebody scream and say, hey, it is all men. And I felt scandalized. <laughs> 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 I first scandalized. I said, "Oh no, this will not.